Welcome to America's Top Rebbitons. May this class be for Rafua Shalema from Malka Sarah Batzelda. If you would like to sponsor our podcast, please email us at atrebitsons at gmail.com. I'm so happy to have on today's show, Rebitson Zeli Refson. Rebitson Zeli and her husband are the co-directors of the Chabad House in Savannah, Georgia. Thank you so much for being here. Please tell us more about yourself and what you do. Hi, Vera. It's great to be here. Um, my husband and I run the Chabad in Savannah, um, a beautiful town on the coast um, in Georgia. We're blessed to have four beautiful children. And I'll start off by saying that's quite ironic that I'm even on here because I really don't associate with the title Revitzen uh, at all. Um, I think growing up, I always saw it as being like default, you know, rabbi's wife where like he learned, became the rabbi, he got a position and then like, okay, the wife becomes the Revitzen and based on the situation, um, you know, I can decide my level of engagement or how involved I'll be with the community. And um, that just wasn't me. I personally see myself as a shlucha, um, which is a messenger, basically, sent by the rabbi. And we're here to my husband and I, he's the shleach on the shlucha, and we're here for the Jews in Savannah in whatever capacity that's needed. And we have equally specific roles that we're able to accomplish that the other one can't. Um, yeah, like you said, the co-directors. So when we, my husband and I started here four years ago, it was literally from bottom up. We just came here and every single decision that we made was together. So we would bounce ideas off of each other. We would get together this powerful team um, and kind of use each of our unique personalities um, and embrace our qualities to reach um, the people or get, you know, as much done as possible. Um, and I really feel empowered um, and blessed to be here raising my family, my personal family, and by extension, my extended family of everyone who comes through the doors of Chabad. So, um, but yes, I'm still glad to be here, whatever title you want to call it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. We are so happy to have you here. Um, and today, because especially today, we're going to be talking about a very, very important topic. We're going to be talking about gratitude. And specifically, we're going to be talking about perspectives on gratitude. Gratitude is such an important part of our lives. It is really the key to happiness. And it all starts at the beginning. In the morning when we wake up, Judaism teaches us to say mode ani, to thank Hashem, to thank God for giving us another day. It's how we look at our day and the things that happen during our day that brings about gratitude and a positive perspective on life. So can you please talk to us about gratitude and give us some practical tools for developing gratitude in our own lives? I love gratitude. <laughs> uh, so I'll start off by saying just how a, um, a central and important point um, gratitude is um, in Judaism, um, just throughout history is replete with so many examples um, of our advice expressing gratitude. Um, you know, just the, the words on Chomesh, right? I'm, I'm small from all your kindness. And this is Yaakov who's going through, you know, trials and tribulations at every step of the way. And he comes to this point where he tells Hashem, like, you've done so much good for me. Like, I don't even know if I have any merits left to that point. And we know my Sherbenu, he didn't, when it was time to do the, the first maca, he had to hit the water. 
but he wouldn't hit the water out of appreciation for the fact that the water was a vehicle for his safety when he was a baby. So it's not like the water saved him, obviously it wasn't, but because that played a part in his gratitude, he had that level of thankfulness to treat it with respect and have, you know, Aaron do it for him. Um, and um, I would even go on to say the whole idea of the Karim is really this idea of like Haida'a, of bringing thanks to Hashem. Um, it's recognizing that our success, our prosperity, everything we've got to in life, we need to have that reminder of, okay, wait, I'm going to take the first fruit, remember where this all came from, this is from Hashem, you know, and bring it up and recognize that, you know, this is all part of a bigger picture. Um, the same with the carbon taida. So just realizing that this is part of who we are as a people and going back um, is very strong. Um, this is kind of, you said, talking about my da'ani, where we start off our day with um, thanking Hashem. Now you could think like, okay, I woke up, fine. This is what I need to do. But actually recognizing that this waking up in the morning is a miraculous thing that just happened. Um, and that I was given this day again, like like through no merit of my own, but that I'm needed here in this world. And this is what I need to do. Um, and I was given this day as a blessing. Um, there are three types of miracles. Um, there's the typical miracle that we, we are very familiar with. Okay. Like it's called a Nes Galoi revealed. It's where nature is completely suspended. So think of like Kriyas Yamsuf, right? Like complete, just cut, cut off. Like waters just separate. Do what you don't know how to do because godliness is here. And it's so, it's so revealed and it's so in your face. And we don't have to, even like the biggest heretics can't question that. That's like godliness in your face. Yes. And then you have another level of, um, of a miracle, which is called Nes Melubash Bateva, which is a miracle that's enclosed in nature. So it's, it's all happening through nature. But if you're honest with yourself, you'll, it's very clear that Hashem's hand is behind this. Um, take, for example, um, Purim's story is, is, the expression of Nes Malubash Bateva, um, because we don't see Hashem's name anywhere in the Megillah. And it, it it does happen through natural events, like Esther just happens to be chosen to be in the palace, you know, and like Mordechai just happens to overhear Big Son and Sarah, and um, Haman's just happens to be that night with the one who's going to honor Mordechai. And all these things are the gallows. So this is where we can, we can, we see the natural current of events, but when if we recognize yes this is very much miraculous and god's behind this now the third level of of a miracle is teva itself nature nature nature, yes. nature right mm -hmm. nature is Kim, and basically nature is nothing's happening without god making it happen so the nature that we see while we're so used to it that is actually because it's so physical and it's so almost like removed from the godliness, it has to come from the deepest levels of godliness for it to actually operate.
because it's so in, in the physical world. So when we're encountering every moment of our life, every breath that we take, every act that we do, every blessing that we have is coming from the deepest part of godliness that gratitude actually help us be aware of these miracles. And it helps us recognize that this is really coming from Hashem and this is a miracle. So my Da'ani, we wake up in the morning. It's the Jewish way to start your day because I, I, this is miraculous. I, I am, again, we're not even, when we say my Da'ani, we're not even, like according to Halakha, I'm going to say Debray Tyra. Like our feet are not even on the ground. We didn't wash. We did nothing. This is our essence talking. And this is being like Hashem. I, um, I, I got another day and it's only because of you and recognizing it. And now it's going to be, okay, what am I going to do with that day? And how am I going to make the best of it? It kind of puts you on the most it puts the greatest perspective and gratitude starting your day with my Da'ani without saying another word, but saying, and the end of my Da'ani, the last two words is Raba Munasaha. Like the fact that you believe, you believe your faith in me is so great. That means even sometimes I wake up in the morning, I don't believe in myself or I'm not sure about it or I'm doubtful or, or there's challenges that come the way or like I'm, you know, you're not sure which way to go ahead. You start off saying, Rabbi Munasecha, Hashem's faith in me is so strong that he, in his kindness, gave me another day. And he needs me because somewhere in this world, there's a dark corner that I have to light today. And that's why I'm here. So waking up in the morning with that thought gives us so much vibrancy, gives us so much happiness, gives us so much purpose, and really changes the way you know, the trajectory of the day is going to look like. So yes, it's, uh, you know, making it a routine and making sure before you say any word, it's like my Da'ani that's, that's really keeping you on track um, as a game changer. I totally agree. I, I love what you said about, you know, Hashem has confidence in us. He woke us up because we have a purpose today. We woke up. That means we're meant to be here. We have to do something. Not everybody wakes up in the morning. You know, I'm, and I'm sorry to say, I'm sorry to put it that way, but especially in this age of Corona, not everybody wakes up, but we did, you know, Baruch Hashem, thank God we woke up this morning. And the reason we did is because Hashem needs us and we have a purpose in this world. And, you know, we have to be grateful. We have to be grateful that we have the opportunity that Hashem gave us the opportunity to move forward and to fulfill our purpose. So I think it's very powerful. Yeah, it's a blessing. Um, and as women, particularly, we have that extra special intuition that men don't have. We are empowered and blessed with the ability to make every day the greatest, greatest day. We have such tremendous, tremendous potential to do this, but we often have a feeling of dread when it comes to another day. Like you were saying, sometimes we doubt ourselves. We have so many challenges. We don't know. Do we go this way? Do we go that way? Like, what do we do? We're tired. We're stressed. And we're just doing the daily routine on autopilot. Many of us, you know, just this is the routine and I'm doing it and we don't even give it much thought, but how can we realize the tremendous value that each day brings for us and to turn things around for ourselves in a positive direction? I love that. So, um, definitely there's, you know, women power that, um, is very strong. Uh, the woman is known as the Akira Savais, which literally means the foundation of the home, but practically speaking that, um, the nurturing 
you know, quality of a woman is that she kind of sets the tone. And when she brings a feeling of gratitude or happiness into the home or wherever she is, that kind of radiates around. So kind of recognizing that powerful role that we can have and the influence that we have is great. And this actually reminds me of a um, a tale basically of this um, this spicy country grandmother who would wake up every morning and go out on her, on her front porch and she would shout praises to God and she'd be like, God, thank you for another day. This is so beautiful. And she had this sarcastic, you know, neighbor next door and he, he could not handle it. And he was just like, this is, this is too much. I'm unimpressed. And he used to shout back, there's no God. Stop bothering me. Stop yelling out there enough. Anyway, this happens every single day. So one day he's like, okay, I'm going to put an end to it. And um, he's like, I'm going to show her there's no God. So he goes and gets this um, fill of bags of groceries and puts her in front of her porch early in the morning. She wakes up in the morning, opens up and she's like, wow, look at all these groceries. Thank you, Hashem. And he jumps from behind you, starts laughing. He's like, you fool. I was the one who brought the groceries. It's not God. There's no God. Just stop this. And she just continues like with her head up and she's like, wow, Hashem, thank you so much. You not only gave me groceries, but you made the devil pay for it. (laughs) (laughs) And like, it's so, it's so interesting because we wake up every morning and we choose what kind of attitude we're going to have. You know, are we going to look at the bright side? Are we going to see, are we going to focus on, on the possibilities? Are we going to focus on the blessings that, you know, Hashem gave us? Or sometimes we're so tied down with um, kind of focusing on the problems or, or things that are negative or things that are pulling us down. And if really we really choose to focus on, you know, what's uplifting us, then even that bag of groceries is something that's miraculous. Oh, you for know? sure. Yeah. Um, and that's really powerful of how we can, this is completely something that we choose. What's interesting is that like, we don't realize it, but our minds is the only thing that we can actually control. Like you can use your, your health, your wealth, like put into prison or deprived of their liberty, or the only thing that they actually have, that they have full control over is their thoughts. No one could steal your mind or what you choose to think. It's like completely yours and it can never be taken by somebody else. So It's just funny that the one thing that we actually have complete control over is what we tend to control the least. Our thoughts. Right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Because between me and you, what's kind of stopping us from being happy or, or focusing on the good or being completely pulled down? It's not other people. It's completely within ourselves. It's something that we can change like this. Like, at the speed of lightning, then the next, I could be here in the next moment, just with my thoughts, I can look at it a different way. Like, no, it was the groceries, you know, you're the one who gave it to me. I I don't care what other people say. It's your, it's your outlook on it. That's really going to, and no one could take that away from you. That's something that you have full control of and you can put it into play in a moment. 
It's a hundred percent. So interesting that you say that because it makes me think of uh, something. I was just, I was just listening to a rabbi and I apologize. I don't remember the name of the rabbi, but he was talking about happiness. He was giving a shir, a class on happiness. And he was saying our happiness is right in our minds, just like what you were saying. And how far away are we from being happy? He said, we're just one thought away from being happy. You could be thinking the darkest, horrible, just most horrible, horrible thoughts. And you could have been thinking them for hours, for days, for years, even. But your very next thought could be a thought of positivity, a thought of happiness, a thought of gratitude, a thought of maybe a kindness or a hesed that you want to do for somebody. And you could turn your mindset around like that. And you're just one thought away from that happiness. That's that's what um, you remind me of just now. Right. That's really powerful. So when you kind of when like you take that and you choose to focus on memories or visions, what you want in the future, or you even consider interpretations of different events that will actually uplift you. And you kind of create this, a cascade of um, positive, empowering thoughts, and you can effectively change the direction of your life. Like you're curating your consciousness, basically. And it really like you said, it's like, it works with the speed of lightning. All you need is a determined will to actually be committed to looking at things that way. Exactly. I love that. It's, it's a, so like, it's just food for thought. Like you just have to be committed to looking at things in a positive way, because if you're really, really used to thinking negatively, and some people are just naturally negative, no, no, no judgments on anybody. Just some people are just naturally negative and they always look at what's wrong and what's missing, you know, and what's lacking on the negative side of things. But I think over time, we can actually train our brains to look for the good. Even if it's just a tiny little speck of good, we can really, really train our brains. And over time, we see larger bits of of good and larger bits of good. And then eventually we're looking at 99% to 100% of good in a situation. And that really, really, really has a big impact on ourselves, on our lives and our own happiness. Absolutely. That was beautiful. (laughs) Thank Um, you. And... um... I'll, so it's definitely not easy. Like you said, you really need a determined will. And there's a reason why we have to constantly remind ourselves every single morning. If it was so natural to us, you know, if it wasn't a work that we had to actually train ourselves to do, or even to like kind of steer ourselves in that way, we wouldn't need that, those constant remind, reminders all the time. Exactly. Um, but I, there was a palliative nurse that was Um, in a hospice and she was tending to people in their last 12 weeks of their life. So all these people, she's basically privy to all these epiphanies that people get um, this clarity at the end of their life of what actually matters or how would they would change things, what they regret really um, looking back. Mm -hmm. Um, And she, from all, from all these years and all the people she met, she actually um, compiled it into a book, the five, the, the top five regrets of the dying. Wow. And what happened to be is that same things kept on recurring again and again. Um, and one of the top five was, I wish I had let myself be happier. Wow. That's powerful. And it's, it's ironic that like at the end of life, we can learn from the people who've lived their life you know, um, to look back and, and to, to kind of teach us what actually matters. And it's not that something 
they, when they said, I wish I let myself be happier. They recognized that the happiness was something that was in their full control because like we said, it was in their thoughts. So kind of recognizing and focusing on something like, wow, how grateful things are instead of focusing on what's missing or what I don't have or what someone did to me um, is a completely different way of looking at things. And like many times we only appreciate the beauty of life and the beauty of our relationships and the beauty of our blessings and the people around us when God forbid, we have a close call with something negative. And that kind of like shifts us back. It's like, wait, look, look at everything that I do have. Exactly. You know, so instead of like kind of focusing on, you know, what do I want? What do I need? What do, you know, all everything that like, okay, something that's going to make me happy, but rather focusing on um, how can I enjoy what I have? Right. How can I keep it close? Absolutely. You know, and actually appreciate it because ultimately these are the things that give me happiness. And these are the things that I can operate and do my mission and, and, and fulfill my purpose down here in this world. You can only do that when you're operating on your top level and recognizing that like, wait, I'm here for something, you know, I'm needed and um, nothing's going to get in the way of that. And these people at the end of their life had that clarity and that wisdom to recognize that at the end, it's not the moments of frustration or the things that people did or the times they were overwhelmed that let them down that mattered at that point in life. It was like, you know, what, what I cherish and those memories, those times of encouragement, those times of kindness, the times of feeling uplifted that really, that really was what mattered at that point. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And it's so special and so smart to learn from people who are toward the end of their lives. They had that experience of living longer than longer than we've lived. They had that different perspective. They're looking back on life while we're still looking forward. And it's just so smart to learn from them and to really cherish what we do have, because there's always there's always going to be something that we don't have, something that we want, something that somebody else has, something that we wish we had. You know, there's right. always no matter how much we have is always. So right. instead of looking at the lack we should focus on the blessing, as you were saying. Right, right. And actually even use that lack to fuel growth and to be like, I can learn from this. I can use this as a springboard. I can look at the blessings I have in my life. This is what I'm given. Let me, let me see what I can do with it. You know, this is part of my journey. This is not like, okay, as soon as this is done, then I'm going to do this. You know, mm-hmm. it's not that like, okay, life will be perfect. I just need X. Right. No, my life is all this. Right. Exactly. My life is this journey with the ups, with the downs, with the things that I have, the things I'm going to get with the things that, you know, I should really recognize and um, really seeing the miracles in everything puts you on a completely different playing field. Completely, completely. And I like what you said about the journey. And I and I want I want to make this clear for the listeners, like that life is a journey and it's messy. It's not always this wonderful, beautiful journey. We're hopping and skipping along in a forest with dandelions and rainbows and butterflies. It really isn't always like that. As much as we would like it to be like that, it's, right. it's not, you know. But what you were saying is that we can grow from our lack. We can grow from from our hurt, from our pain, from what we don't have. We can use that as a springboard to grow and something to lift us up instead of to bring us down, you know? Right. Um, so. And I then think- being grateful for it after the fact. 
Exactly. <laughs> Saying Hashem, thank you. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I heard, you know, you have to be grateful for the good as well as the bad. You always have to thank Hashem when something good happens to you as well as when something bad happens to you because that nothing is everything. Nothing is really bad. Everything is actually really good. It's just a matter of how you look at it because that what you perceive as bad, you can use that as to grow, to grow as a, a person. And that's what we're really here for. We're here to grow and refine ourselves. So everything can be used in a positive way. Which ironically brings me to exactly my next question. <laughs> we wishing and hoping and praying for something that will make us happy. Maybe we're wishing to get that new job or hoping that our child will get accepted into the school of their choice. Or maybe we're even praying for a close friend or relative to have a refuah shalema, to have a speedy recovery from their illness. But then what happens when we actually get the things that we want? I think that people don't think about this a lot. You know, we want that we want that we want. But what happens when we actually get what we want, when we get that job, when we get that acceptance letter from school, when our loved one makes that complete recovery? Are we happy maybe for a day, for a week, for a year? And then what? Then we go back to being depressed and sad. How can we achieve happiness that will really, really last long term? Um, that's great. Well, that's a big one, but I, it's so true. So many times we're just like, I remember when I was like, you know, Oh, I can't wait to meet, you know, uh, my spouse that I'm so excited to start a life together. And then I was like, okay, you know, like let's be parents. And it's like, Oh, I can't wish until, um, you know, I'm going to be settled and we're going to start together and all these things. Um, we're kind of just like waiting for the next milestone. And then, like you said, it's like, besides for gratitude is just like, okay, so what happens next? You know, what, what else do we need? And, um, I really like this quote I came across and I have to remind myself all the time, but remember when you wanted what you currently have. Yes. Yep. So one second, remember where you were, where you were standing when you were just like, all I wanted was this. And then you look and you're like, wait, I have that now. Right. So wait, but then I'm supposed to be happy, right? (laughs) (laughs) Like, so what now? Um, And what really got me so passionate about gratitude um, and really kind of allowed me to just pause and be like, wait, instead of focusing on the next thing, let me just be so grateful for everything that I do have. And this came from um, an actual personal experience when we moved here, I was expecting my second and it was towards the end of the pregnancy. And um, I wasn't, you know, my first one went so well, Baruch Hashem, it was like all smooth. I didn't really expect much. Um, just kind of everything going, you know, as planned, like we say, right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you take it for granted. Um, and then basically um, ended up in an emergency C-section and uh, with a lot of drama and trauma and everything involved. And, um, it happened to be that um, the way, because of where I was holding, that to do this really rare cut. And when they said, you know, all future births are going to have to be C-section, I was like, okay, you know, like I always hear that, but I'm sure there's going to be some sort of possibility, you know, to go around it. And no matter how much research I did or looked into, heard so many opinions of doctors, no one really wanted to have that liability and kind of take you on. And, um, I kept on like, just, just kind of moving forward. Like maybe I can get it. I was so consumed with it. And like every, every birth was like, you know, 
is it going to happen? <laughs> you know, like, how's the birth going to be? And I really felt like my hands were tied and like, there was no support out there. And like the really, the only way to go about this was with a C-section and it was really pulling me down. I did hear these women with these success stories of like, they kind of did it their own way and all these things. And, um, I remember, um, with my, the, the last birth that I had, um, it was about, halfway through my pregnancy. And up until that point, all I was thinking was like, maybe, maybe, maybe I can have a feedback, you know, maybe I could deliver my own, I could give birth to my own baby, maybe, um, you know, somehow something's gonna happen, I'm gonna give birth at home, because I'm gonna, you know, go to labor early. And there's all these thoughts are going on in my head. And halfway through, um, they basically told me that there's something we see that doesn't look right. And I literally just froze in my seat. I was like, okay, I don't wanna hear. Like I, you know, if it's not necessary, medically necessary, I'm not taking any like future follow-ups or tests and stuff. I came back home and all I can think of is Hashem, I got your point. Like I, I got your point. I don't care. I don't care how the birth is going to be, whether it's a natural birth, whether it's a C-section, it doesn't matter anymore. All I want is a healthy baby. Right. That's all I want. And the constant thinking and the constant obsession, it, it, that completely drifted away. It just didn't exist. What kind of birth would would it be? Was like kind of left to God. And all I was hoping and praying was that I would have a healthy child. Right. And during like from my previous pregnancies, when I was so much thinking about like, you know, all I want is like a, is like a natural birth or, or to be able to not have a C-section I was, I got, I came across this blog post, um, or an article that someone wrote and she had many births, Kananahara, and, um, she's, her thing was like, I need to get an epidural to the point that one child, she got to the hospital too late and she ended up having to give birth without the epidural. And she was mortified that that happened. And the following birth, she's like, absolutely not. I must get my epidural. I have to go to the hospital no matter how early I go. I must get this epidural. That's all I want. And she's pushing her way through. And I'm reading it and being like, what? All you want is an epidural? Like all I want is not to have, not to be cut and have my, my baby pulled out. That's what I want, you know? And then I come to the point where like, Hashem, no, that doesn't matter. All I want is a healthy child, you know, never mind. And then uh, listening to your podcast with um, Rabbi Santona Tova Chazana, the Shlucha. Yes. At one point she was saying that when she was giving birth, all she can think of was Hashem, please have this baby be born with a heartbeat. Right. And you stop to think. And then I have a really close friend here in Savannah. And all she's thinking of is Hashem, please make this IVF treatment successful. Right. And it, it's, it just really allows for this moment of pause to stop. 
and to recognize the blessings that you have in your life. That the nature that we take for granted is from the deepest level of godliness. It is a miracle in and of itself. Every breath we take, every blessing that we have. And Baruch Hashem, I'm so happy to say that I was blessed with a beautiful, healthy child. Oh, Baruch <laughs> and, and every every moment that I'm holding him, no matter how much he cries <laughs> or whatever he needs, it was like, you are my greatest blessing. Oh. And that's all I can think of. And I'm actually part of this. Um, I'm sure many are in, um, you know, know the organization Boni Olam, which yes helps women with infertility or couples with infertility. Mm-hmm. And they started this um, program called the Zakini, where there are women who, when they light candles, they, they pray for two couples that week. Yes. And by doing that, they give a dollar for tzedakah. So you have 36,000 women, all who are donating a dollar that month or tzedakah for candle lighting. And they are all praying for these two couples. And these, this $36,000 is covering two IVF treatments. So the unity together and, and realizing what you do have and praying for those who don't kind of brings everyone together. And, and, and it's so beautiful to see, you know, when there's like, there's a Vizakini baby, you know, like Baruch Hashem, our, our prayers are working, but I get this notification every Arab Shabbos on my phone where, you know, your card was charged like a dollar 12. And I cannot say this about any other charge on my credit card, <laughs> but this is the charge that like fills, fills me with light because it's this weekly reminder that Sally, you are blessed with children, right? Hold them close, hold them tight it's not a given, you right. know, and, um, have gratitude and be thankful to Hashem. And we, when you light candles, you're, you're praying for others who don't have. And at the same time, you become so much more appreciative of the blessings that you have in life. Wow. That is so powerful. And I, I love this story. I just want to, I just want to say it again for the people who are not familiar with it. The organization is called Bone Olam, right? Yes. And they're actually, I I think I came across um, this campaign where they're trying to raise the number to 50,000 women. Who are lighting candles and giving lighting candles and giving tzedakah every week. It is just so beautiful. And I feel like that, that reminder is so powerful because it really puts us, we're talking about perspectives on gratitude. This is the greatest, you know, perspective that we can put on ourselves on a constant basis. Wow. And do they give you, I'm just, I'm just curious, do they give you the names of the couples that you're davening for or how do they? Yes. Yes. They give you the, the name to, to daven for. And which I thought was really cute. Also, they have the couple like write a thank you letter to the Visa Candy members. So there's, 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 there are real people behind this that are like praying for their blessing. And they're like, thank you so much. The thousands of women for davening for us. We really hope to have our miracle. And when you read this, it just puts it black and white in your face so much more. Amazing. Amazing. I'm going to include information on Bonet Alam in the podcast description. So if anybody wants to join the campaign, like this is a wonderful way for them to do it. 
Yeah. So thank you. Thank you so much, Rebbitz and Zelly, for being here with us today. We really enjoyed having you here. I made this class B for Fushalema from Malka Sarah Bas Zelda. Thank you so, so much. I mean, thank you.